0: Let's open to first Timothy chapter two. That's a good question. Where's First Timothy? That's a good question. First Timothy chapter two. And we talked last week and uh really felt strongly about that message about hearing God's voice. I'm not gonna preach it again, don't worry. But but that we need to be able to hear his voice, and as Jesus said up on the screen, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I do believe that he speaks in many, many ways. Number one, as I said, I'll just repeat the points, number one, by his word. That's the standard by which everything is, is held accountable and judged by. By his spirit, he speaks through his creation, he speaks through circumstances, and he speaks through others question is, are we listening? Revelation 3.20, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Well, what I want to talk about today is kind of the opposite of that. uh, He starts talking about prayer here in chapter 2. So the question is, is, is God listening to us? We talked last week about us listening to him. Well, the question, the opposite side is, is he listening to us? And that's really what prayer is. It, prayer is really a kind of a two way street, but he's talking here about for us to pray, and that's when we speak to him. And so we're not, you know, are we just speaking into thin air, or is God actually listening and hearing us? That's the question. Well, I think the obvious answer here is that his word is teaching us to pray. And why would he teach us to pray unless he is going to listen? That he hears, that he answers. That uh, song we sing, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Listen to my prayer. That's from Psalm 61. David cried out to God and our, you know, when we cry out to him like that, is he actually hearing us? Does he hear your voice? I believe that he does. Now, the context of this chapter and really the whole of this book is really, you know, the corporate church and worship in the church and how things should be done and, and leadership in the church. And so he's talking, you know, and, and we'll, get, we'll get to some... Um, Parts in the end of this chapter speaking about women in the church and all that, and I know you're all going to be on the edge of your seat here and about to hear about that. At least you women are. But he, but he starts off with prayer, and, and can anybody remember in the first chapter what the first order of business was? False teaching. False teaching, false teaching. And, and, and so he's talking about dealing with false teaching and false teachers and, and having sound doctrine. And so that's his first order of business. And then he gets to chapter 2 and he says, listen, another very, very important thing is prayer. Is prayer. First the doctrine and the word and now prayer. And I believe that he wants to hear from us. I believe that he knows our voice and that he is listening. He knows your voice. You know, again, we... we, uh, We talk about this do we recognize his voice and if we hear it enough we'll recognize his voice but the the question is 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 does he recognize my voice when i call if there are how many billion people on the earth today seven Seven billion is that true seven billion people so if if 10 percent of those people cry out to him at the same time is he able to hear them how many would that be, Larry? <laughs> 10%. A tithe. Yeah. Would he be able to hear them all? Would he be able to recognize those voices? This is the amazing thing. You know, it deals with our very understanding of who God is, that he, he can actually hear my voice and recognize my puny little voice here out of a planet of seven-plus billion people and he can hear your voice at the same time, recognizing he knows that's you. Otherwise, why would we bother to pray if he's, if he's saying, wait, hold it. I'm listening to, to you know, Joe over here. Mary, hold on. I've got to listen. Wait, let me hear them first. Like you and I, we, you know, we say we can hear more voices at one time, you know, that multitasking fallacy. Can you really multitask? Not really. You can make it look like you are, but you're just bouncing from one thing to the other, one thing at a time, really. And so for, when two people are talking to me, I, I'm just like, I can't, you can hear, you can hear, but you're not really listening. But he's able to actually hear and respond and listen to you, to your voice. He knows your voice. Or does he know your voice because he never hears your voice? Ooh, that's another question. I think he wants to hear from you, and, and that's why we see it in, in the Word here today. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I urge, then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. He's talking about speaking to the Lord, about speaking to God. And he, and he gives a kind of a list of different types of prayer, different kinds of prayer. Really? And, and we can look at these words and, and, and look at what their meaning is, and, and I think uh, we can do that you know, in, in a simple way. Requests are, are like specific needs. Prayers uh, really speak of worship and adoration, kind of our hearts toward Him. Intercession, we can say that's prayer for others. And Thanksgiving, that's obvious, appreciation. But I don't think that's really the point here, is looking at which of these prayers. I think is, is the, the idea is that it's all different kinds of prayer. There are all different kinds of prayer. It's not only one thing. We're not limited to one way to pray. Like you, you know, you're going to get on your knees and you're going to say these words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now is that a prayer that we're just supposed to say over and over again? I think... I think it's a guideline is what it is that when Jesus gave that to his disciples that, that you can use it as a, as a kind of a guideline so in your own heart and mind when you're praying and you're talking to him, you can, you can start with our Father and, and think about him as your Father in heaven. And then you kind of work your way through that. In that specific prayer, even in that prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, really wasn't the Lord's praying, it was, our, it was a prayer for us to learn. But in that prayer, there's all kinds of different prayers in, in that prayer alone, right? Mm-hmm. Our Father in heaven, there's, there's worship and, and, you know, uh, what we need for today. There's that request. Thine be the glory forever and ever. Worship. All different kinds of prayer. And, and I think, you know, the Lord hears all these different kinds of prayers. And, and he's not saying, well, you have to do it exactly like this. It's a, it's a thing that just comes from our heart. Where he hears our voice. He hears our prayer. Look back to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Just back a few books. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. This is the context of warfare we talked about the spiritual the christian life being a battleground and and all the different you know armor pieces of armor spiritual armor are found in this chapter in this section but he he finishes in verse 18 and he says and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So again the point is all different kinds of requests and and depending on the situation depending on what's going on and and I think maybe maybe what might be happening is that you and I we just focus on one type of prayer and that's all we pray. And guess what that is? Give me. <laughs> Give me. Yeah. I need I want can you give me? And, and that's not a bad thing. I think it's included. I think it's all right. It's good. We do need to pray because he says in James, it says, you know, you have not because you ask not. You never pray, you never ask. And God said, I'd love to give it to you, but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, dealing with the grandkids, you know, and teaching them how to say, please. You know, they'll say, I want a drink. And, and I say to them, I'm, I didn't hear anything. I, I, did you hear something? And they say, I want a drink. You know, they keep saying it over and over. I'm going, God, I didn't hear anything. And finally they get it. They understand. They say, oh, please may I have a drink? Oh, yeah, sure, I'll get it for you right now. See, but, but before that, they were just kind of demanding. And, and this really wasn't what I'm trying to say here. But the point is that, that uh, well, what is the point? <laughs> The point, the point is we do need to come with respect and, and uh, before the, the great and awesome God that he is with all kinds of prayers and requests. And, but it's not just about what I want and what I need. And I think he makes that clear in this passage and so many other passages. It's not just for my needs, but praying in worship, praying for other people, praying with thanksgiving for what he's already given us. Well, I need and I want, but what about what I have? That's what Paul said in Philippians, right? That that he learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance, whether he had a lot or he had a little, whatever it was, he learned the secret of being content. And and contentment is saying, God, thank you that I actually have a car. Well, It doesn't run right now, but I have a car. Thank you that I have a house, that I've got a place to live. How many people are in this world that do not have a place to live? Thank you, God, that I have a place. Well, it needs to be painted or it needs this and it needs all kinds of things. But you see what I'm saying? To be thankful for what we actually have right now. When we get so caught up in what we don't have, that's where we get discontent. That's where we get you know, frustrated and anxious and in all kinds of weird space. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then he says in that verse in 618, Ephesians, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So he specifically talks about praying for the saints, and, and the saints are, are, are who? Us, Us Right. They're not those people that, you know, are, are dead and gone and, and they were saints too. But the saints really in the Bible, if we understand what, stand what the Bible really says, the saints are those that are set, set apart and belong to God. And so to be praying for them, because if you want to pray for someone who's already died, what good is that going to do, right? It's, it's like, why do you need to pray for them? If they were a saint and if they were a believer and they were born again and they, they had a relationship with God and they're in heaven now, you don't need to pray for them. They're all set. They're good. Really, they're good. But you and I, we, you know, that are still here, we need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. So he says to keep on praying for the saints, but now here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1... He doesn't limit it to that, does he? He says, be made for who? For everyone. For everyone. Man, women, and children. For everyone. Praying for people. You know, praying for things is important. And praying for situations is important. But I think, really, I think what the most important thing is in, in prayer is that we're praying for people. I really do. Praying for people, praying for other people. Praying for ourselves, that's not a bad thing. Praying for other people as well. Praying for all people, not just, not just the people that we know, not just the people that we like. Not just the people that we're related to or people that are in the church. He said, praying Pray for everyone. And, and uh, I, I think if we did a little survey of our own prayers... Like how many times did we pray for someone else besides, first of all me. And then we might say a prayer for you know someone in our family. But but when was the last time we prayed for someone else that we that's outside of our own little tiny circle. Pray, praying for all. Verse 2, let, let's look at verse 2. He says there, for kings, for everyone, and then he gets specific here, and for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Praying for government officials, praying for leaders. Now that, you know, I had to stop in this whole this whole idea. That's not, that's not easy, is it? You know, it depends, too, and, you know, who's in power at the time, right? And, and if we like them, and if they're according to our party affiliation, well, we'll we pray for them. And, but if, if they're not, are we going to pray for them? You know, at that particular time when Paul wrote this, there was a guy named Nero who was in charge in that area. And that guy was wicked. That guy was, he persecuted the church. He, he was insane, is what he was. And some of the things that he did, you don't even want to know. But Paul says, pray for those that are in authority. Pray for government officials. We don't have any kings in our society, but maybe some think they are. Oh, there I go. See? See, that's when I start to get myself in trouble. But we have a president, Right? we have members of Congress, we have a Supreme Court, that we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. We have to pray for them. He says here that that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, that this prayer that we should be praying for them, and actually, as Warren Wiersbe says, helps maintain the peace of society. If, If nobody prayed for those people, then we are just Pretty much at their mercy, right? If we never pray for them, even if we don't like their decisions, we're still called to pray for them. That's hard. I'm I'm sorry, but that is hard for me. Is that hard for anybody else? I I, I remember I told you this story years years ago. You know, there was a boss that I had, and he was the authority over me, and I asked him, I asked him if I could go, uh, work part-time. And he thought about it, and then he came back, and uh, he sat me down, and he said, no. Well, I was, I was angry. I was not pleased, let's put it that way. But, but he was the authority over me. And so I'd see him in the hall, and I'd be, you know, just, I just didn't like him anymore. Why? Because he didn't answer me the way I wanted him to. And he didn't make the decision that I thought he should make. And you know what? But God convicted me. And and he what, what I was supposed to do was pray for him. I was supposed to pray for him. And so I began to pray for him. And you know what? He didn't come back and say, I've changed my mind. But guess what? I changed. I changed and I could see him in the hallway walking down. It was a, wasn't a huge building. I could see him and I could be free. I could, I could have a, a peace and quietness in my own heart. It didn't change the situation, you see. So, but sometimes I believe in, in, a, in a kind of the grand scheme of things, the big picture, I think prayer is, is having an impact, holding back some of the evil in our society, Really? I mean, we look at it and go, wow, it's completely out of control. Can you imagine if nobody was praying, it would be what it would be like? Uh, So I believe that there is, you know, through the Holy Spirit working in the world and through the prayers of God's people, there's maintaining some semblance of peace. But sometimes we say, well, we pray, we pray, we pray, but, but, you know, they... It doesn't change, and those in authority, they don't change their mind. They don't do anything differently. But I want to say, as I've already alluded to, is that it, help, it helps to maintain the peace in us. Prayer does, you see. It helps maintain the peace in society, but I, but I think it, it, more importantly, it, main, it helps to maintain the peace in me. When I pray, if I just am getting freaked out and I'm watching all the newscasts about how bad it is and, and, and how terrible things are getting and, 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 uh, and I'm not praying for those people, you see, I'm going to be completely wound up. Let me back that up with a, a passage of scripture so you, so you can see what I'm saying. Philippians, back a few books to Philippians chapter 6 verses, you know, but we're going to read them again. Peter says, you know, I don't mind, you know, bringing things up and again so that you'll be able to remember them when he's gone. I'm not going anywhere, by the way. But someday when I'm not here for you to be able to remember these verses, verses six and seven, uh, Philippians chapter four, he says, do not. Be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See the different kinds of prayer prayer even in that verse, right? All different kinds of prayer. And then verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean that the whole situation is going to change. But the peace of God, which is bigger, which transcends our understanding of the situation, he says, that will guard our hearts. That will guard our minds. That will keep us. That will keep us in perfect peace when we have our minds fixed on him. Jeremiah, uh, there's a verse in there that says, uh, he's quoting the Lord, and he says this in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, they had been taken into exile because of their own fault, because of their own sin. But the Lord says, you know what? You're going to be there, and it's not the best of circumstances, it's not really where you should be. You should be in the promised land, but you're in exile. He says, but pray for the peace and prosperity of that difficult place that you're going to be in. Because when it prospers, you prosper as well. Pray, he says back in 1 Timothy, for kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That we would have the peace of God which transcends all understanding in our hearts. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, let's go back there. He says, and this is kind of the point of of what I've been saying from the beginning about does God listen to us? Does he want to listen to us? Is he wanting to hear what we have to say? And I think this, this verse makes it so very clear, the first part of this verse, or well, this whole verse really. He says, this is good. And it pleases God our Savior. It doesn't get much more clear than that, does it? This is good. This is a good thing. It's just good. Intrinsically. In and of itself, it's just good for us to pray. That's God telling you and I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your voice because it's good. It's good, it's good to speak to God. It's good for us. It's good for me when I pray. It's good for those around us. It's good for the people that you're praying for. It's good for the world. It's good in all these different ways. It's just good to pray. This message isn't about, you know, to get the whip out and start praying or anything. It's just, we're just studying what the Word says here, right? And hopefully in that, that that we'll be encouraged. That we'll be, yeah, it's good. God wants to hear me. And it's a good thing for me to be a part of my life that, that I would pray unceasing, Right? That I would always be a, a prayer, in prayer, and, and, and that's simply carrying on a conversation with our God. And number two, it says here that it pleases Him. It pleases God, our Savior. It just pleases Him. He loves to hear from us. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to interact with us. Ephesians says, and we could have looked at a number of different verses that tell us what pleased Him, but Ephesians 5 says that we should find out what pleases the Lord. And, and here is a very direct statement. This is what pleases Him, that we would pray all different kinds of prayers. It pleases Him. It's like, he, you know, He gets a smile on His face. He, he's listening. He's happy. It's pleasing. And finally, verse 4 This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. This is kind of this verse kind of goes into the next section, which we'll get to next week. But one of the one of the things that is important, in the in a, in a context, it's clear, is that one one of the things that we pray for is for people that they would be saved, that they would that they that they would come to a knowledge of the truth. That we would pray for specific people. And, and we talked a while back and, and for, for us to pick one or two people or three or four people and pray for them on a regular, continual basis that they would come to know Jesus. They would come to know, to a knowledge of the truth that, they, that their souls would be saved. I think we should be doing that. I think that's what he's saying for us to do here as well. To pray. Because there's good news that people... That people like you and like me, that we can be saved. We can be saved through the Son of God. Through faith. Through trusting in Him. God wants all people to be saved. Why is that? Because He loves the world. Because He cares. He cares about those people in our lives. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cared enough that that He would send His one and only Son to die for us. Some interesting verses I'll quote to you from Ezekiel. He says this, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. He says, rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? He says, for I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Those are Ezekiel chapter 18 and one more in Ezekiel 33. He says, As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. He says, turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? See, God desires, He wants all to be saved, but does that mean that all will be saved? No, He says, for those those to turn, to make a decision, Second Peter chapter 3, let's turn there. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Peter was getting kind of get in, getting impatient. Well, you know, I thought that the second coming was supposed to happen like right now and people are asking and, and, and like, what is going on? And, and, and people wanted to know and, and it's very clear what he says here and in Second uh, Peter chapter three says verse eight, "Do not forget this one thing, dear friends: With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness; he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't. He doesn't want everybody to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He says." But he wants everyone to come to repentance, but repentance, as I just quoted from Ezekiel, is is us turning to him. He's not going to save people against their own will. He gives us the choice. He's the savior of all men, but especially of those who believe, Paul said in 1 Timothy. So so we need to pray for people. And and knowing that, that, that God wants this to happen in people's lives, we can pray, we can pray, and we we know that we're praying in accordance with His will. But again, there's still the, 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 the responsibility, the human responsibility that still must take place, where in a person's life, they must come to a place where they turn to God and say, save me, save me, save me. But for you and I, we don't understand how some of these things work together. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. How, how do these things work together? Honestly, that they're both found in the scripture. And, and, and that's God's problem to deal with how those things work out in my mind. I, you know, Greater minds than mine have tried to reconcile and understand these things. Believe me. But I know what my part is. My part is, is that I need to turn to him. My part is that I need to let other people know that they have a choice and they, they need to uh, receive and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. So pray. Pray for people. Pray for all kinds of people and all kinds of prayer because God is listening and, he, and he, he knows your voice. He knows your voice. I want to turn to one more passage. Psalm 141 together. Psalm 141 and and, uh, verses 1 and 2. So much of the psalms are just the prayers of David and and they're so real. Psalm 141 verses 1 and 2. He says, O Lord, I, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. He says, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Isn't that sweet? It's like the incense that it talks about. You know, the prayers of the saints are like incense rising up before the throne of God. It's a, it's a, it's a sweet smelling fragrance, savor before the almighty God. So, having said all that, what I would like to do—we have a few minutes extra here—and I'd like to just take a few minutes and just pray. Let's, can we pray together? Is that okay? We can uh, shut off the, you know, the microphones and um, and uh, the video camera. Uh, not that you're all on video or anything, but um, and and just and just cry out to God for whatever might be on your heart for for whatever situation you might be facing.